Welcome to the IoT Security Chats podcast, where we bring you the latest information in cyber and IoT security. From asset and vulnerability management to incident response, hear the experts talk about the latest threats affecting connected devices and how to keep your organization safe. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Priya, and I'm the head of customer success here at Assembly. And uh, it's great to be back hosting the Assembly podcast today. Today's discussion is super insightful and aligns with a topic that I have personally fought tooth and nail with in my prior roles at health systems. And uh, we have my mentor and someone I uh, respect a lot, the super talented and fabulous guest speaker today, Carol Davis-Smith. She's a sought-after expert and thought leader in the healthcare technology management field. A little bit about Carol. She's uh, you know, been in the development and maintenance of safe, reliable, cost-effective, and efficient patient care delivery systems through technology and process management. And she's over 30 years of experience in academia, in nonprofit medical centers, group purchasing organizations, consulting and executive leadership roles. And through collaborative leadership and technical engagement, she continues to build successful teams across all aspects of the medical device lifecycle. In addition to her previous consulting or private consulting work, Carol serves as the director of the University of Connecticut Clinical Engineering Internship Program within the university's biomedical engineering program. And as the vice president of clinical technology for Kaiser Permanente, Carol developed and implemented corporate strategies and initiatives related to the clinical technology lifecycle. Prior to Kaiser, she was responsible for development, marketing, and delivery of clinical capital lifecycle consulting services for Premier. She also served as a vice chair of clinical engineering for the Association for the Advancement of Medical Instrumentation, that is AMI a board of directors, and is a former founding member of the AMI Technology Management Council. Additionally, she's a member of the American College of Clinical Engineering and a former member of the United States Board of Examiners for Clinical Engineering Certification. Carol holds a Master's of Science degree in Electrical and Computer Engineering from the University of Arizona with a specialization in Clinical Engineering and a Bachelor's of Science in Bioengineering from University of Dayton. She's a certified clinical engineer and a fellow in the American College of Clinical Engineering and the Association for the Advancement of Medical Instrumentation. With that, Carol, thank you for being with us today again. And I really appreciate you sharing your insights on this uh, you know, really much needed topic. So medical device planning, it's such a complex task. And replacement planning decisions are just so challenging, not just for clinical engineering and uh, healthcare technology management, but also other stakeholders in the healthcare ecosystem. Now, you know, with the uh, increase in cybersecurity risk, integrating medical device cybersecurity and that cybersecurity information in capital planning is very complex. Um, you know, it also aids reassessing replacement planning and also facilitating new purchase decisions based on the impact of the cybersecurity risk and also different risk reduction measures that can add complexity to this process. Uh, one of the things we've done here at Assembly is we effectively showcase uh, vulnerabilities, anomalies, utilization data, risk and impact scoring, 
all of which which really transforms the capital planning process and makes it an evidence-based and a data-driven approach. Uh, when this cybersecurity information is integrated within the asset management system, the capital planning process or the replacement planning process really becomes a seamless offering. And along with that robust mechanism, you uh, get to offer accurate replacement and spend strategies to different stakeholders in the healthcare system. So, Carol, you've introduced, you know, trailblazing methods for effective capital planning in our industry, and you've really advocated for these with the C-suite. So how do you see health systems adopting this information to influence their capital decisions? Yeah, that's a great question, Priya. Um, and as you mentioned, um, it's been really cor a cornerstone of, of my career over the last 30 years. Thank you so much for those kind words. Um, in the introduction, um, I think it, it, it's really sort of a two-edged sword in that um, for decades, I've been advocating a very quantitative, very objective, data-driven approach to forecasting uh, te technology needs, capital or otherwise, um, fleet management, all these, uh, all of our medical devices, um, the, the planning and procurement benefit from a more data-driven um, approach. Uh, the the what's unfortunate is that um, I have not seen over the years uh, very good use of that. We we as as the healthcare community, not just healthcare technology management or IT um, or cyber, but um, just in general, continues to be a very subjective sort of who stomps their feet the loudest, um, the, who who can make the nicest PowerPoint presentation uh, is unfortunately still so, uh, rampant, if you will, in our industry. Um, there is um, a, a movement though, and, and perhaps um, a silver lining coming out of the pandemic is a realization that for health systems to remain viable, they have to be more data-driven. Um, and, and their capital equipment certainly um, became front and center to them for their planning efforts, um, one just to survive during the pandemic and now recognizing that this is our new normal uh, of, of dealing with the unknown and the unknown that comes at us very, very quickly. So with that said, um, I think the, the data that's available from um, the cybersecurity monitoring and assessment tools is incredibly valuable. Will it streamline? Will it um, dynamically significantly change how capital planning and, and technology forecasting is done? I, I hope so. I hope it's maybe that 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 needle in the and the that pushes us over the edge kind of thing to that we will use that plus all of the other data that we have available to us in our our maintenance management systems and our IT uh, service delivery systems and our supply chain systems. There is lots of data we should be using. Certainly, we should be incorporating the cyber data. Um, unfortunately, there still seems to be a gap. Um, our IT colleagues have lots of this information. Um, our, some of our, our HTM colleagues have uh, some of this information. Um, I think we're working um, hard and fast on building the relationships between the two groups to best figure out where that data can, should reside and how to share it. Um, I, I think we're finally past that point of, I have to own it. 
and and we end up with these duplicate databases that are never right because they're not really redundant. They're operating in silos. I think we're, we're moving past that, thankfully, um, to an environment of figuring out how best to share this information. Um, I think the thing we have to be careful of is just like any other piece of data, it is a piece of data. It is, it, it's in, it, have we turned the data into information? Do we know what that data actually means? Um, and do we know what that cyber data and information means relative to both our financial world and our clinical world? Because we need to remember, we are in the business of delivering healthcare. Right, we're not in banking. We're not in. We're not in IT companies. Um, we're not medical device companies. We deliver care, and so these are tools that support care delivery. So to say that a cyber uh, piece of data or information uh, trumps everything else is really not probably a smart approach any more than saying any other piece of data is the one that's gonna trump everything else. This is really a, it takes a lot of um, sophistication and the ability to, to look at multivariate, multi-criteria um, decision-making uh, techniques. So I, I'm pleased though, I think that cybersecurity is really pushing us that we have to take that approach. And so from that, standpoint, I'm thrilled that Assembly and, and others in this space are bringing the data forward and saying, use it and encouraging customers to use this data in a, in a very proactive way. I think in my perspective, uh, you know, all of these, I mean, several decades, we've seen capital planning decisions really being dictated from a clinical standpoint, whether it's, um, you know, clinical user preference or um, the, you know, need for different clinical applications. But then now with, uh, you know, cybersecurity solutions and especially assembly, you have a lot of operational data, not just cybersecurity risk, but also how effectively are these devices being used? Uh, one personal experience with that is amidst COVID, we had to do a lot of, you know, new purchases as well as redistribution of assets. Um, you know, operational data, that is utilization data, really facilitated that. So how do you think, you know, uh, how receptive can other stakeholders be to using this kind of operational data from cyber solutions to really streamline the capital planning decisions? Yeah, well, once again, I'll say I I'm, I'm not really sure what will ever streamline these decisions because they are very complex. But will they, I think this data makes, um, makes it, easier to have a very informed, well-thought-out strategic decision. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the idea of utilization has sort of, sort of been that holy grail, next frontier, whatever analogy you want to use, uh, for decades. And uh, what I do like coming out of these cyber tools is greater ability to capture utilization. Now, in some cases, it appears to still be I'll call it relative, um, much like RTLS, is it on the network, physically where is it located? That gives us a relative sense of, if it's in a storage room, clearly it's not being used. Mm -hmm. If it's in a care delivery space, patient room, procedure room, whatnot, then there's a higher probability that it's actually in use or is about to be used or was just used or something to that effect. So the, the correlation is a little better. 
But as I see these these tools mature, um, in particular on the cyber side, a little bit on the RTLS, but definitely more on the cyber tool side, the ability to know if the device is actually doing something because we're looking at traffic on live traffic on the network, if you will. That very real utilization data then helps us balance um, the, and know better are these devices that were being used um, frequently uh, in critical situations based on the location, um, because it may be something that we don't use very often, but it's critical that we know when it's being used and how much it's being used. Absolutely. So I, I think that's a huge value add to the process to make better capital planning decisions and to really debunk the, the preference things. Because as you mentioned, historically, it's been a lot of what I call subjective data in air quotes, um, you know, opinions and, and biases and whatnot. And this is getting us more into that real data. Somebody says it's used a lot. Now we have a data source to tell us what does a lot mean. Correct. I mean, statistically, you're looking at medical devices accounting for roughly 25% of capital expenditures. And what I really see organizations not doing with all of this data-driven approach is holding vendors accountable. And now with you know cybersecurity uh, information, with operational information from different solutions, whether it's cybersecurity or your asset management, you're getting massive amounts of information on device performance, which is you know different events, incidents, or even something as a result of the vendor provided services. How do you see cyber risk information influencing vendor reviews for financial savings and service level agreements? That's something that we haven't really done using a data-driven approach. Right, right, absolutely. Um, and, and as you know, this is not a new problem, right? This uh, product performance, whether it's the product or the, or the vendor supplier themselves, their performance, uh, this is something that we in the healthcare community, the HTM community have not been real good about managing um, to date. I think what cybersecurity brings to the table is um, we've been hitting the pocketbook, right? If we don't manage this, it becomes a huge um, not only is it an operational risk to, to delivering care, which first and foremost just makes me crazy, um, but financially we get hit with fines mm -hmm. uh, and we are hit with brand uh, impairment, right? I mean, as consumers, we want to go to places that are not only safe in the operating room, but they're going to protect my data too, right? So there's a brand implication. Um, so I think it elevates the the cyber data elevates um, in, in everyone and in, especially in senior management the the knowledge that we can if we use this information if we use this data and information we can mitigate our risk we can not control our future but certainly influence our future in a in a very positive way um, and so that plus all the other data things that we've talked about now maybe getting escalated. And then at the end of the day, um, we actually have to manage. We have to have things like business review meetings, regular, quarterly, semi-annual, whatever it might be. Um, and having those conversations with our suppliers about their products and their services and making sure that we've built into our 
contractual agreements, expectations, quite frankly, on both sides, right? Because I think as healthcare, one of the things I did in one of my prior lives was how does my health system communicate to my potential vendors and my existing vendors what my ecosystem looks like, right? They cannot promise that their, their product or service will function seamlessly and, and reliably if they don't know the environment that it's being placed within, right? And so as healthcare, HTM leaders and IT leaders, we need to make sure that we're having that conversation. Are we building and maintaining an environment that's conducive to these products and services? And if not, do we partner and adapt on both sides, us and the suppliers? Or do we have to look for a different supplier? At the end of the day, we got to regulate this thing, again, in air quotes, with our pocketbooks, right? With our checkbooks, buy products that are compatible with the environment, not things that we think should be or we like them to be. We need to I have better, more strategic conversations up front. Excellent takeaway, Carol. And I think, you know, for health systems to really move from a reactive space to a proactive space with managing clinical technology and also ensuring continuity of care operations, care delivery operations, it's important to not only look at what products you're buying, but also what are the services you're getting from the vendor, like standard services. Are they you know, supporting you through your events and incidents? Or what sort of backup do you have to ensure that continuity of operations? That sort of brings me to my uh, next point. And, uh, you know, this is, again, an area that I have struggled with as well and had a lot of success using, um, you know, um, assembly. And I'm going to get specific with assembly there. So, uh, I mean, various health systems are struggling even today to obtain um, relevant cybersecurity documents, whether it's a network architecture or an MDS2 form or even just as simple as a firewall fact sheet, if you will. And because of that, they bring in devices, but they don't know how those devices fit into the infrastructure. And then uh, to add to that, you have a lot of time delays and lack of accountability in obtaining those uh, you know, different uh, documents necessary to assess risk. And ma majority of the health systems, to avoid that time delay and any impact to clinical care, they're continuing with purchases and retro retroactively doing these risk assessments. Uh, one of the benefits we've had with Assembly for our customers is called ProSecure, which is proactively you know, doing risk assessments or um, you know, pre-procurement risk assessments. That's been a game changer. Uh, regardless of whether the health system obtains these documents or not, you have a lot of information already available in the solution, whether it's an MDS2 or looking at, you know, what are the exploitable vulnerabilities? How can you simulate risk, all of that? Now, these risk assessments can not only help you move into that proactive space with managing the cyber risk as well as operational risk, but also help, uh, you know, health systems enforce cyber uh, security standards more effectively with vendors. Do you think that's something, you know, that's a direction health systems can take and how can they even, you know, how can they better enforce, you know, internal cyber standards with vendors and also get better responsiveness? That's that's fascinating, actually, um, Priya. And uh, I, I think this is a, a real area of struggle for health systems. Um, one, it's it's awesome that that you guys are providing that level of detail. 
um, and and insight to that data and information. It sounds like a, a collaborative sort of thing because you've got access visibility to other clients and other experiences than just what maybe I have at my health system. Um, and you know, I hear the same thing from like CMMS suppliers with their data set. We have all this experience because we have these clients. I think the big stumbling block for health systems is having somebody inside the health system that has the skill set and visibility to do something with this data, mm -hmm. right? Um, it, it's, uh, I think that's where the challenge is, is that we, and a, a little commercial, if you will, for a clinical engineer, um, I think we need a clinical engineer-like person in the health system that lives in the, the traditional clinical engineer worlds, which is the technical world, which is not just HTM, but that's IT and, and you know, all of those other, you know, the facilities and whatnot, but also understands the lives and acts in the clinical and the financial business worlds that, that understands where to get this data and how to use it. Mm -hmm. um, I think the value is there, but it's latent until it, it just has potential until we have somebody inside the health system mm -hmm. that can actually grab hold of it and use it and analyze it and interpret it for the health system to then turn that potential into action. Mm -hmm. So I applaud the the fact that Assembly is providing this to, to customers. I think that's awesome. I think we need to figure out how do we get health systems to employ people in their health system, on their teams that can analyze, interpret, that understand this data and can turn it into action. I think that's- I think we need stuff. another hour to talk about, you know, that blended expertise and how staffing yeah. challenges are in that end. And yeah. you know, one um, experience I had with, um, you know, one of uh, the health systems is they actually got like a security white paper for infusion pumps and the health system basically consumed that information and said, hey, everything looks great. We're good to go through the risk assessments. And then they actually look at, you know, our risk assessment, which is based on what we see from the network traffic, what information we have crowdsourced, different thread intel sources. And then we realize, hey, the security white paper you got from the manufacturer is for a different version of the pumps than what you actually have in your environment. So right. now you have, let's say, you know, version 12.1, you're receiving a paper for 12.7, and there's different clinical capabilities between the two as well. So this exactly. is really where I see, you know, solutions having that data-driven approach to enforce that accountability, as well as make sure, I mean, have all the checks and balances with mm -hmm. what you have in your environment, your existing right. inventory, as well as what you're bringing in. And I right. just, it was just a really comical scenario because the health system had to go back and remind the manufacturer like, hey, this is what you sold us. Let's sort of go back five years ago right. and remind ourselves what happened. Right, right. And that's just such a, a painful but good example of where health systems have lots of data available to them, but they don't have the decoder ring, right? The decoder ring being that professional who can interpret the data and the information and say, does this apply or not, right? Absolutely. I mean, it looks looks good, it looks impressive. I don't know what it says, but <laughs> I don't know what it means. But that, you know, that's a, that's a tool that I think health system, especially health system executives, they 
don't, they do not know what they do not know. Right. And so um, that that's uh, just a painful example, but you and I both know too, having been, you know, the only clinical engineer in a health system, um, there's only so many projects we can work on at any given time. Um, having that expertise available is, you know, both of us have seen examples where that scenario would never have gotten that far down the road because we would have read this white paper and said, well, this is wonderful, but it's not what we're getting from you. It's not what we've asked you for. So volumes about the need to have healthcare technology, uh, healthcare technology management and IT, you know, at getting a seat at that table with um, and, capital planning. And, yeah. And, and seats next to each other and come walking into the room together because they've already been talking outside the room as a team mm-hmm. in terms of what's our environment, what can we support? What we, can we not support? Why? How do we meet? And what does that all mean in the context of delivering care since that's our core business? I think it's not just having those two seats at the table, but those seats are next to each other. And those two are like hand in hand, step in step with each other to really support the organization. I think we're moving there. I'm seeing that more often. It's just making sure those two teams understand that they need sort of this piece in the middle that is can do a lot of data interpretation and analysis so that the tactical teams can do their job efficiently both in time and dollars and senior management can make good well-informed strategic decisions so we're not just tactically running around sort of playing whack-a-mole when mm-hmm. we could be doing something that's much more effective what is that work smarter not harder for sure. For sure. <laughs> you know, I recently read this blog about where a CMMS vendor emphasized, or for those who don't know, CMMS stands for Computerized Maintenance Management System. Uh, it's an asset management system that's, you know, more for, uh, used in the facilities of fleet management as well as healthcare technology management or clinical engineering. Um, so this vendor really emphasized that health systems should identify what vulnerabilities or weak points the attackers will target. And what I'm actually seeing, you know, many vendors, many different solutions in this market, um, they're actually showcasing, you know, patch updates or manufacturer information, but really nothing much on, you know, actual vulnerabilities that make the device and that health system exploitable or vulnerable. Um, And where I'm going with this is when you know what your weak points are, not just knowing your inventory, but what are the weak points in your inventory, that really is a game changer for risk management strategies. So what are your thoughts on getting that specific information where you're knowing those you know, specific weak points so health systems can act upon their high usage, high revenue devices earlier on? That way, you know, any patient care, care delivery is not impacted. And I ask this because, you know, we're seeing different attacks going on in, you know, domestically right now with health systems and a lot of care operations are impacted. I mean, it's just causing havoc with different patients and the communities. So now knowing not just your inventory, but what are those weak points in the inventory? What are those different threats? What are the vulnerabilities that could be exploitable? That's just insane amount of information. And perhaps that would help enforce better responses from vendors. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because I think it's a moving target, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, my, my first response is better pre-purchase 
investigation. So again, not just, um, I mean, certainly we got to be narrowing the, the look at what are the products that do the clinical function that we need accomplished. Um, but then really digging into not just is it on the network or not, um, what protocols does it use or not, but I think back to some good old-fashioned clinical engineering of understanding how the device works, what, how, what's the, really digging in and understanding the design, um, and not in a way that's competitive, threatening to vendors, and there's non-disclosures. These are things that we should have been doing long before things the cybersecurity became an issue, right? We do not generally truly understand how devices work, the medical device works, right? From a technical, from an engineering perspective. So that's one thing I think we need to do a better job of. But I'll say again, it, th these vulnerabilities today are a moving target. And so I'll go back to the, the, the relationship that is getting better, it's getting much better between HTM and IT um, because there's multiple parts here. There's how does the device work? What's the engineering and the design behind the device? But there's just as much in how is the network architected, what's the environment that we've created at the health system that these two have to be able to play together. This is a systems of systems um, challenge, right? And so we may be, it may not be a vulnerability on the medical device per se, it may be a vulnerability of the, of the choices we've made in terms of how we uh, architect and implement our network and our IT structures and our data structures and all those sorts of things on our side. So I think it's this understanding that it's not them, it's us, it's all of us and, it, and this system of systems, which again means we probably need some additional skill sets on the healthcare delivery side to be able to, to mesh the IT expertise and better practices with care delivery. Um, in my mind, in the, like all the way back to the old days, um, a very simple networks, um, or even let's just not even say networks, let's just talk about power systems, right? We as clinical engineers uh, and other HTM professionals had to work with our facilities colleagues to say, when the power goes out, how do we keep the ventilators running? Mm -hmm. How do we keep a light on in the OR so that we can stitch the patient closed, right? It's essentially the same thing, right? If our network is compromised, how do we keep the direct patient care moving forward? Is it optimal? No, of course not. Neither was it when we had to worry about operating on the 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 emergency generator, right? Mm -hmm. It was suboptimal, but we had a plan and we we had the little red outlets, you know, so your ventilator was plugged into that one and not the white one, you know. I think we have to take, we, we have to continue thinking these principles and apply them in a very similar way to say, we our, our health system cannot be brought to its knees because our EMR goes down, mm -hmm. right? That's horrible. Don't get me wrong, that's horrible but it should not mean that the ventilators stop and the lights go out in the OR and we cannot take care of patients. Yes, it's harder. Yes, it's like the old days, but we can keep our, our patients safe, right? We can keep our staff safe. And I, I think it's, so it goes back to not us and them. It's really 
looking at these as system of system designs and understanding the engineering in each of these and not just taking the simplest answer. I mean, I've had, I've had people, I've had both HTM professionals and IT professionals say, yeah, but that's, that's harder for me. Guess what? That's our job, right? At, at the end of the day, we need to make sure that care delivery is as streamlined as possible. If it means a little more effort on our part, and especially if it means extra effort on our part up front, it probably means less effort on our part in the end because we have a plan and we've designed a system of systems that doesn't bring the whole organization to its knees. Uh, these things. I mean, it's no longer about the physical environment of care. It's, you know, it's all interconnected. Mm -hmm. You need, you definitely need a collaborative approach, whether it's, you know, procurement, you know, continuous operation and maintenance or decommissioning devices or just everything on that spectrum. Right. Carol, this, this has been so insightful. And, uh, you know, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And we often talk about, you know, phishing campaigns, having multi-factor authentication, talking about password protection, all of that good stuff. But, uh, you know, talking about capital planning, effective capital planning, adopting evidence-based approaches, this is new information, not just for the HTM community looking for that blended expertise, but also for the IT and cybersecurity community. So thank you for being here with us, with Assembly, and sharing all of this information that really allow you know, different stakeholders to better utilize, you know, solutions like Assembly and effectively plan equipment purchases and capital spend. In fact, I'm actually seeing an increasing trend where IT leaders and cyber leaders are getting involved with medical device planning. And yeah. I think that's just fabulous what's happening. And, um, you know, you're a thought leader in this field. You've driven all of these processes. So we really appreciate your leadership and look forward to our continued collaboration. That sounds great. And thank you for promoting such a proactive uh, perspective on the topic. Thank you. Thank you. So listeners, if you have any questions or would like to learn about what Assembly has to offer, uh, don't hesitate to contact us at info at uh, Until then, take care and stay safe.